0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Embed Podcast. I'm your host, Seamus Medan, and today we have a very special guest, Dan Fishman, the GP at Regeneration VC, which is a venture capital firm investing in climate innovation startups and backed by the famous actor, Leonardo DiCaprio. First off, quick disclaimer, the podcast is not financial or investment advice. All investments are risky, especially in the private markets and public markets. So first off, thank you, Dan, for taking the time to hop on the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Shamish. Thank you very much for having me.
0: I appreciate your time today. So let's first start off with your background, and then transitioning into what got you interested in venture capital.
1: Sure. You know, my background for 20 plus years, I've been uh, investing in building brands, mostly in the consumer space. I started out putting together uh, brand deals for the celebrity markets, hip hop worlds. Everything from uh, watches and jewelry to fragrance and, and handbags. I built a brand with Nicole Richie called House of Harlow 1960. Did deals with everyone from Quincy Jones and Shaquille O'Neal to Jennifer Hudson. And, and from there, it, ju- it just gave me the supply chain, marketing, and distribution knowledge to be able to uh, start my own brands with partners. I put together a deal and was the first investor in a company called a, a brand called ALC with Andrea Lieberman fashion brand that grew to department stores all over the world before we sold it to private equity. Uh, I was a co-founder of a women's contemporary brand, La which again grew and is still in department stores and boutiques all around the world. Left the apparel space and moved over into the food space and invested in and and went on board to grow an ice cream company called Cool House. Uh, Grew that from you know, when I got involved, it was it was a uh, a startup brand that had food trucks, and I helped build that with uh, the founding partner Natasha. We grew that into eight thousand plus grocery stores nationwide, and uh, you know, all of those industries gave me the insight and wherewithal to to look at environmental impact with regards to brands. So I left Cool House in two thousand eighteen, and really just started to look at founders, invest in founders and invest into concepts and brands that had a health and wellness or environmental impact as one of the the chief tenants of of what was being grown. So everything from, you know, re-grocery, which is a zero waste, zero plastic groceries concept here in Los Angeles, Uh, Good Milk, Bev, uh, which is a canned wine, Say, a clean cosmetics brand, and just looking for founders who really thought of environmentalism, not as a a marketing angle, but as something in the DNA of of what they were building. From there, my partner, Michael and I, who've known each other for for 10 plus years, he had a family office, strictly investing in the climate emergency. And the idea of us pooling our resources as, as we looked at the circular economy and saw a real need for investment within consumer powered climate innovation. That was November of 2019. Uh, where we kind of sat down and started to talk about the business that we wanted to build and the fund we wanted to build. And obviously, a pandemic hit, so we had, a, we had a lot of kind of time to really hone our messaging and, and bring in some real strong talent into our team, both on a day-to-day uh, partner and analyst side, and also on the strategic advisor investor side. So we officially came out as a fund in November of twenty. Did our first close of, at February of 21 and our final close uh, February of 22 and went public as a, a $45.4 million uh, early stage venture fund.
0: And what made you decide to start your own venture capital firm instead of either joining another one that has similar interests in climate tech or just becoming an angel investor?
1: You know, I've always, always been a self-starter, always really, since I can remember doing things myself and with partners. My partner, Michael, and I, we never really gave thought to joining another fund. We've both been pretty fortunate in our business endeavors to be able to invest our own capital into what we were doing and back ourselves. So the idea of forming our own fund and calling our own shots was very important to us.
0: So when you invest in climate tech companies, what are some of the things that you provide to portfolio companies that differentiates you from other venture capital firms?
1: Great question. We see a lot of venture firms out there that, that talk about wanting to help the founders and teams that they invest into. We feel the same way. Both Michael and myself have deep entrepreneurial backgrounds. We understand what founders are going through. Personally, You know, I, I totally understand what a founder in an early-stage business is going through, whether it's capital raising, whether it's general sales, business development, marketing, supply chain. I can, I can speak the same language and You know, a founder knows when I'm talking to them, it's coming from experience. But what we've put into place is we've created this idea that we're calling supercharging. What we've done there is taken our, our deep roster of advisors and kind of said, we're going to look at each of our portfolio companies on a quarterly basis and talk to the founders and get an idea of three or four problems or or questions that they have that need help solving. And, and we're going to put our advisors with ourselves to the, to the task of handling you know, that one of those objectives. So each portfolio company, once a quarter, will take on a, a supercharged moment that, that we're in charge of. So four per year. And that kind of gives us a base of, you can count on us for this. We're going to put pen to paper. We're going to put process to it and actually do that. That doesn't mean that they're not going to call us At other times, or we're not going to have weekly calls with certain founders who need help with something, but uh, we want to be able to kind of put a process together where when we invest into someone, they know that they can expect at least that out of us.
0: And when we're taking a look at the climate tech industry as a whole, climate tech has seen 47 unicorns since 2015 with 28 of them joining in just 2021 alone. And collectively these have raised $50 billion at a $130 billion valuation according to Halon IQ. So what's your investment strategy when it comes to investing in climate tech companies? And then what are you doing to help find the next unicorn?
1: Well, we we have have three verticals that we look at within climate. Um, Design, which is the stuff that goes into things, the alternatives to plastic, the the fabrics, the packaging. Uh, We look at use, the brands that are using them, and we look at reuse, landfill avoidance, waste to value, marketplaces, So our strategy is to really find companies that fit into those verticals, work with founders at an early early stage, so seed in Series A, and back the founding teams that are helping this world transition to a circular economy. We obviously underwrite businesses and look at the financial side of an investment as a venture capital fund does, but we take impact as seriously as we do financial returns. So we have a one of our partners, Katie Hoffman, and, and the vertical that she runs within Regeneration.vc is our vertical, the regenerative evaluation gauge that looks at every potential investment from the standpoint of impact and, and five metrics within it, whether it's toxicity, water, uh, energy, carbon. Or, or even the human element in these companies. We want to be able to underwrite businesses on that impact side and put forward-facing notes and reports on impact. So we look at both sides of the equation. As far as getting to that next unicorn, look, the valuations of, of companies have always been very subjective in certain ways. We feel that if we back good founders who are running good businesses who know how to eventually turn growth into profitability, that comes. You know, no sense putting the cart before the horse and, and talking to a business that's really early stage and, and looking at them and saying, how do you become a unicorn? It's, it's how do you become a profitable, cash flow positive business that's scaling and growing and is impactful. And you, know, you put those pieces into place and, and everything will come together.
0: And you've talked previously about Omnichannel. What is Omnichannel and how can climate brands use it to help maximize their impact and value?
1: Yeah, I mean, Omnichannel is the idea that you want to be in various outlets from a selling point of view. You know, if you're a direct-to-consumer brand, uh, the idea is how quickly can you go into retail? Can you either open up your own stores? Can you go into Uh, the Whole Foods of the world, the Nordstroms of the world? Can you partner with other boutiques? Where else can your brand be sold? Do you have a B2B side of your business or is it just straight to consumer? Uh, The idea that the more places that you can sell, the more revenue you can generate, the less reliant you are on one specific sales vertical. Also, from the standpoint of getting noticed, if you want to talk about some of these big conglomerate you know, p and Unilever's, those kind of countries of the world, you know, you got to start to take space from them if you want to look at yourself as a potential partner for them or an acquisition target, uh, if, you're, if you're fortunate enough to get to that level. But the idea of being able to get into the consumer zeitgeist in various different outlets is, is really key.
0: Those are some great points. And when building, for example, SaaS companies, VCs may look for in the founders historically for experienced engineers or engineers that are trying to solve a problem that they've experienced themselves. When investing in climate, what are some characteristics that you look for in a climate tech founder specifically?
1: What do we look for in a climate tech founder? That's a a great question. Uh, You know, the ability to lead is always important. How do you get your message across? How do you hire people that compliment you? And in some cases are even better than you in in certain areas. My history, I've always tried to bring on people who are either just plain on smarter than me or that have the ability to run and get stuff done. You don't want to have to micromanage. There's enough going on in in the world within business as you grow. So how well can you speak to people? how well can you can you groom with from within and hire from outside and how do you take advice you know, i, I want to be helpful to a portfolio company and i want founders who are who, who want to think about things from all different sides and and not just say it's my way or no way because i'm the founder
0: Great point. And then what we're talking about, well, the elephant in the room, is Leonardo DiCaprio is a strategic advisor at your firm. What was the process like getting him on as an advisor and what ultimately led him to back your firm and not another climate VC firm? Uh, sure. Uh,
1: my partner, Michael, and I both had separate relationships with leo and his team michael had been doing deals and co-investment opportunities with his team my wife actually has known leo for 20 plus years in her role at her entertainment marketing company the a-list and so between the two of us having different touch points there we we pitched his team on coming on board and really having an active role as both a, an investor and a strategic advisor. And obviously, it, it takes some time, but uh, they agreed and all, all the pieces came together and they wanted to be a part of this. The same way we met with uh, Bill McDonough, who's the godfather of the circular economy and uh, uh, author of Cradle to Cradle. you know, Pitching him to be a, a strategic advisor to our fund was, was a really important goal of ours and we were honored that he wanted to be a part of our team.
0: That's awesome. And you mentioned circular economy. And in a press release at one point, Regeneration VC described that it's a $4.5 trillion opportunity to ensure the prosperity uh, of our species and planet. What are some of the companies in your portfolio that are contributing to the circular economy? And what is a circular economy? Sure. The circular economy, the, the term is new, but the practice isn't. You know, we currently live in
1: a, a linear economy where The idea is you take things from the earth, you make things, and then you throw them out. The idea of a circular economy is that heirloom items, things that last forever, when you're done with them, you can pass them on to someone else. The idea that you're taking a waste product and using that as an input, which in many cases could help your cost of goods go down because you're using something that otherwise would be uh, going to landfill. Uh, If you look at our portfolio, I could talk about cruise foam. Cruise Foam is a, a packaging company out of Santa Cruz, California. What they do is they take uh, shellfish waste, chitin, being the, the second most natural polymer on the planet, and the idea that this so this is a waste that goes to landfill releases methane creates greenhouse gases and the idea of taking that and, and creating a foam out of it that is a styrofoam replacement styrofoam we know that the laws are, are showing that that styrofoam is, a, is going to be banned in many places and cruise foam is really stepping in as a replacement at close to cost parity at scale it will be cost parity and when you're done with it you know if, if something comes with cruise foam packaging It degrades quickly on its own. Actually, it could be used, you could put it into your garden and let uh, the natural resources just take it and and actually use it as a feed. Clean O2. Clean O2 is tackling carbon capture from a commercial office, commercial building point of view. Capturing emissions off of natural gas boilers and, and HVAC equipment and converting those emissions into carbonates, which are high value ingredients and everything from fertilizers to to soaps. So the idea of a hotel putting a a clean O2 carbonics unit in their boiler room, using their emissions to create products that are then used in the hotel.
0: That's super fascinating. And with clean O2 and specifically, does that unit that captures that carbon get directly at the hotel used to make the products for the hotel?
1: You can install it at the hotel itself, or you know, in many cases, CleanO2 has recycled carbon potash, potassium carbonate. This potash that is that comes out of the carbonics unit, where they can partner and and sell it into consumer product companies to be able to use it to create a you know powered by CleanO2 made with recycled carbon product.
0: And to wrap it up here, what are some of your takeaways for climate tech founders building during this economy?
1: I mean, look, everyone's going to say the same thing. Manage cash. Make sure that you're in a position that if you are raising capital, you're raising it from strength. In general, I've always felt that founders, they don't need to understand finance, but they need to have a good idea of what their business needs and really what it from a, from a capital point of view. You don't want to sit there and go hat in hand back to your current investors and say, "Oops, I ran out of money." It's it's a tough uh, economy that we're in right now, but in these tough economies, that's when when real change happens. I personally started a business in 2008, and we started this fund during the pandemic. There's going to be a lot of great talent out there looking to start to the, have their dreams and start their businesses. So, you know, I think that founders need to really understand their their business better than ever now, and and. If you're running your business right then there's going to be capital that can be deployed into it
0: yeah that's a great point i know a couple of weeks ago i was chatting with zane jaffer who's uh the founder of vungle and vungle was if you've ever visited either in a game and you're playing a mobile game or in a website and a video pops up saying to skip this and continue. That's what Vungle did. So he founded that and he created that. So his company almost went bankrupt because they weren't keeping an eye on their finances. They were lucky. They were almost a few weeks away from bankruptcy when his friend told him about their finances and he was able to connect the two and really take a look into the finances and realize there was something going wrong. Once he did that, he saved the company from bankruptcy and ended up getting acquired by Blackstone for seven. million. But if that never happened, it would have been gone and nothing would have continued.
1: Wow, that's an incredible story.
0: Yeah, it's super fascinating. All right, everyone, that wraps it up for today's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to drop a five star review down below. And thank you, Dan, for taking the time to hop on the podcast today. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Seamus. It was really a pleasure being here. Take care.
0: Appreciate it.